Okay, let me pray. And it's, we're going to talk about baptism this morning. So let's pray and ask God to open up his word with power. Lord, I pray that as we open up your scriptures now to look at the meaning of baptism, I pray that two things would happen at least. One is that all of, all of us who are trusting you, Lord Jesus, would see in a fresh, deeper way than maybe ever before the wonder of what you've done for us through your death on the cross. And that we would all trust you more and love you more and that you would deeply work in our hearts. That's one thing I pray for. I also pray, Lord, for anybody here this morning who, who's not yet come to that place where they have bent the knee before you, Lord Jesus, in, in faith. And that you would so display the love of Jesus Christ, the reality of Jesus Christ, the mercy and the majesty of Jesus Christ, that they would turn from everything else and receive Jesus into their lives this morning, a Savior and Lord and treasure. So would you do that as we open up your word now? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, we're taking a, a, a week to focus on baptism. I thought that was wise since we're having a baptism this morning. And then, Lord willing, we'll return to the book of Isaiah uh, next Sunday. But let me set the stage in this way. Imagine that you are at a formal banquet with a thousand people. All right? You're all sitting there at the, your little circular tables, and you're all dressed in white, white tuxes, white dresses. Very formal, white tuxes, white dresses. And you are next on the, on the program to stand up and say a few words. But just before um, you get up there, you want to take one last sip of, of the, the wine in the, in the glass there, this wonderful red wine you've been enjoying, and from your full glass. And while you take that sip, your neighbor hits your elbow, and the glass slips out of your hand, and it pours all down your front. So there you are, wearing this incredibly bright red stain. So imagine that scenario, and just ask yourself, how would you feel knowing that in a, in a few seconds you're going to be standing up in front of everyone else displaying this stain how would you feel i mean wouldn't wouldn't you just like long that somehow some way all of a sudden that stain could be gone and wouldn't you be thrilled if somehow your neighbor somehow was able to instantly remove that stain from you so it's gone and you could stand up and and not be displaying this this stain and here's why i i give you this scenario to set up this passage the bible teaches in in numerous passages that that every one of us in this room has had a massive stain on us. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not red wine on a, like a white tux or a, or a white dress. It's far, far worse than that because the stain that we've all had has destroyed our relationship with God and it has condemned us to being punished forever by God. But, the Bible doesn't just say we've all had that stain. The Bible also says there is a way that that stain can be completely removed from you, eradicated, every bit of it. Let's turn to Acts chapter 22. That's where we, one of the passages that we read this, Acts chapter 22. Now, if you need a Bible, we'd like you all to have one you can look along with this morning so you can study this passage with us. Acts chapter 22 so raise your hand, we'll bring you a Bible, and in the Bibles that we're passing out, Acts 22 is on page 931. 
Acts 22, page 931. Now here's the setting for this chapter. Paul, the Apostle Paul, had been speaking about Jesus in, in Jerusalem in the temple, teaching about Jesus. And the Jewish leaders were infuriated at what he was teaching because he was undermining their position. He was exposing their hypocrisy. He was exposing their sin as he taught the truth of Jesus Christ, the the Jewish Messiah. They were infuriated and so they grabbed Paul, dragged him out of the temple and started beating him. The Roman soldiers, Rome Rome was occupying Israel at the time. They didn't didn't like riots. This could become a problem. So they they stopped everything and separated Paul from the religious leaders. And and when things had calmed down, Paul Paul said, "Can can I talk to everybody? I have a few minutes with talking to everybody. And the Roman soldiers said, sure. And so look at what Paul says, starting in verse 1 of chapter 22. I'll read down through verse 16. Verse 1. Here's what Paul said. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. He's talking our heart language. Okay, he's one of us. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. Now I wanted to show you on the map where these places are. Okay, Paul is right now in, in Jerusalem. He's speaking. But he was born in Tarsus of Cilicia. Okay, that's where he was born, up there, just so you can see where where we're talking about here. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. So I was raised Jewish, okay? Gamaliel was a very famous Jewish leader. Verse 4, I persecuted this way. That was the name they were giving to followers of Jesus Christ at that time. So I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. So Paul persecuted Christians to the death. He imprisoned them, had them killed. Everybody knew that. From them, the Jewish council of elders, I received letters to the brothers, Jewish leaders, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also, those Christians also who were there, and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Okay, here's, where, here's the map. Damascus is right there. Okay, so Paul was in Jerusalem. He got letters of permission. He traveled up this way to Damascus so that he could arrest Christians in Damascus, bring them back down to Jerusalem where they'd be imprisoned and and ultimately killed. So verse 6, as I was on my way to, to Damascus and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? I want you to feel the drama of this moment. Here's a man raised thoroughly Jewish, okay, who was incensed against followers of Jesus, who was on the warpath against followers of Jesus, imprisoning them, um, ultimately having them be killed. And so here he is ready to get some more Christians on the way to Damascus, and this bright light shines, and he hears this voice 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he would have just been dumb, dumbfounded. And he says, who are you, Lord? Now, the fact that he uses the word Lord shows that he knows he's talking to God because God, you know, God's the kind of person when you meet him, I mean, there's nobody like God. When you meet him, you don't need to ask for his ID. Do you have any credentials? You know, do, do, God and the driver's license? You don't need that, okay? God is a being like no other. When you meet God, you know this is God. You'll know him, okay? I guarantee it. You'll know him when you meet him. So I answered, who are you, Lord? Because he can just tell, how's God telling me I'm persecuting him? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now just, can you just get a little bit of a feel of how this would have caused Paul just to be panic-stricken, terrorized? He knows this is God talking. Jesus is who he, God, is claiming to be. And of course, it's because Jesus is God. He didn't just die on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And Jesus, who Paul is persecuting, is talking to Paul. Verse 9. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And so Paul knew, this is God, God is Jesus. There's only one thing you can say, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. Paul goes on, since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. He'd been blinded by the lights, and so he's being led blinded into Damascus. He can't see. Verse 12, just as Jesus said, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, Jewish background, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very hour, I received my sight and saw him, saw Ananias. And he said, Ananias said, the God of our fathers appointed you, Paul, to know his will, to see the righteous one, Jesus, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him, for Jesus, to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So Paul, who had been killing witnesses for Jesus, was now going to be a witness for Jesus. And then here's the verse I want us to focus on this morning, verse 16. Ananias says, And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. I want to focus on verse 16 and unpack with a couple of questions. The first question is, what did Paul need? Read verse 16 again. Ananias says to Paul, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. What Paul needed and what all of us need is to have our sins, the stain of the guilt of our sins, washed away. It's what we all need. Now here's why. I just want to give you... Some, a framework to understand this. One of the most important truths to understand about you, yourself, is that God created you. The personal living God chose to make you. 
to give you life and to give you an amazing body and to set you in this beautiful world in a massive universe. That's why you're here. God has just given you the most incredible gift. Here's life, body, world, universe, live. And God has clearly shown you, me, all of us through that, a couple things about him. One, he is perfectly good. I mean, this infinitely valuable gift he just gave to you, life. He's perfectly good. He's flawlessly wise. I mean, the intricacies of just how your body works blows my mind whenever I think about it. He's perfectly good, flawlessly wise. He is infinitely powerful. Created life, the universe. So he's good, he's wise, he's powerful, which means, if you just stop and think about this, this is, this is who you are. You're here because God made you. And what this means is that you have an infinite, an infinite obligation to trust God completely, right? To obey him unquestioningly. I mean, he has displayed his perfect goodness to you in creating you. So to trust him completely, to obey him unquestioningly, to worship him passionately, this is the, the obligation we all face. But we've all refused and turned our backs on him and tried to live independently of him. And see, that's what the Bible calls sin. We've all sinned thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And God's just. He's perfectly righteous and just, and he has to punish sin. And so because of our thousands and thousands of turning away from God, living you know, with our backs towards God, we face punishment forever from God. And so what we desperately need is to be washed clean from the guilt of our sin. That's what Paul needed. That's what we need. We need to have our sins washed away, the guilt of our sins washed away. Now in verse 16, Ananias tells Paul there's something that he, Paul, can do. There's something that you can do to be washed clean from all of your sin. So what is that? How do we wash away our sins? <laughs> Let me first tell you how we, how we don't do that. Because we all have a tendency to think we wash away our sins by doing good to kind of even the scales, to kind of make up for the bad that we've, we've done. But the problem is that's not how justice works. The best illustration that, that I've heard, it just always helps me to, to go back over it again, is, is like a parking ticket. Let's say that I park downtown too long in one of the parking zones and the, the ticket person comes by and gives me a ticket and I get the ticket. And Let's say I go to, to court, traffic court, to appeal it. And I'm there to appeal my ticket. So the judge says, Mr. Fuller, uh, what's your appeal? I say, well, I, I, did, I did break the law and there's a parking too long, yes, but, but I don't think I need to pay the fine. All right, Mr. Fuller, why not? Well, because I just want to, just for the record here, I am planning on parking uh, the right way from now on. Really. From now on. I'm going to obey the laws from now on. So surely that makes up for what I did, right? The judge would, would say, well, depending on the sense of humor, he might. Anyway, he would say, no, that's not right. It's not how justice works. The fine has to be paid. The penalty has to be paid. And so that's how it is with, with justice. That's how it is with God's justice. The fine, the penalty has to be paid. So listen, you can like go to church every Sunday for the rest of your life 
But the fine has to be paid. The penalty for your sin has to be paid. You can meditate for like an hour every day devotedly, but the penalty for your sin has to be paid. You could care for it, contribute to every, every homeless person you meet, sacrificially, generously, lovingly, be a beautiful thing, but the fine has to be paid. That's how justice works. Do you see that? So that's why we need to be washed clean. But Ananias says that there is something Paul can do to wash away his sin. Did you catch that? Look at verse 16 again. It's not by being good enough to make up for it, but there is something he can do. Verse 16. Ananias says to Paul, Now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Calling on Jesus' name. What does that mean? Okay, Jesus Christ is alive today. He died on the cross. So let's go back. Back in history. He is fully God. He has always been. 2,000 years ago, he came into earth, took on human nature, fully God, fully man, walked this earth to show us who God is, worked amazing Miracles, loved people, cared for people, lived with integrity and humility and boldness and strength and authenticity. If you read the Gospels about Jesus, he will win your heart, showing us God's heart, God's nature. And then Jesus died on the cross, and in dying on the cross, he paid the penalty for sin. Jesus paid the penalty for sin. And then he rose from the dead, showing that this is no death of an ordinary criminal. This is God coming to earth and being punished in our place by his own justice. The Father pouring God's wrath out upon Jesus, the wrath that we deserve because of our sin. Jesus, who was blameless, who was absolutely morally perfect. So here's what this means. When you turn from your sin, turn away from your sin, and trust Jesus and call upon him, Instantly, at that moment, all the penalty that you owe for your sin is paid for in Jesus. The moment you call upon Jesus and say, forgive me, help me, wash me clean from the stain of the guilt of my sin, fill me, satisfy me, strengthen me, change me. The moment that you look to Jesus by faith and call upon him, All of your sins, past, present, and future, all of the guilt of all of your sins is paid for in Jesus' death on the cross. So there is something that you can do to wash away the guilt of your sin. You call upon the name of Jesus. So Ananias says, why do you wait, Paul? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. Okay, but now what about this baptism part? What does this all have to do with baptism? Ananias says, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. What's the connection between baptism and calling upon Jesus' name? There's two different ways it could work. I'll explain this really carefully. Some of you maybe have never been taught this. And then maybe we'll get a chance for some questions before we move into the baptism. One connection, one way it can work is that sometimes... The act of water baptism itself is the first time someone calls upon Jesus' name. That's what happened in Paul's case. 
That was when Paul first called upon Jesus. Okay, So as he's being baptized, he's going under the water, he's calling, saying, Jesus, I trust you. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. And so it's at baptism is when Paul was cleansed from his sin. Not because the act of baptism cleanses anybody from sin, but because while he was being baptized, he was calling upon Jesus. Does that make sense? So just a little quick quiz. Does the act of baptism without calling upon Jesus cleanse anybody from sin? No. Does the act of baptism, while someone is calling upon Jesus for the first time, will that calling upon Jesus expressed in baptism cleanse them from sin? Yes. It's the calling upon Jesus that cleanses from sin. And if the time of baptism is the first time you're calling upon Jesus, which is what's happening here, then you're being cleansed from sin. Now, Andrew and Orion who are being baptized this morning, have already called upon Jesus. Okay? They haven't been baptized yet. Have they been cleansed from their sin? Yes. Just to make sure in case any of you are wondering. Yes. Okay? I mean, what happens if, as they were driving here this morning, you know, they've gotten into a car accident and they were killed before they had a chance to get baptized? Would they have, are, are they cleansed from their sin? Yes. yes. Oh, you're getting it. This is good. Okay. Okay. So, but, but Jesus still calls them to be baptized as a way to display publicly what's already happened in them and to make that experience even more meaningful to them as they're being immersed under the water and brought back up as, as a picture of you go down and you're washed. So, so picture it like this. Picture that you are just like right now covered with muck and mud and slime and you know all that like stuff, Okay. And that's the stain of our sin. When you go under the water then, and you come back up, all that stuff's left in the, in the water behind you. So you go down, stained with mud and muck and mire and slime, and you come back up, brand new clean. That's what baptism pictures. Now again, for Andrew and for Orion, that's already happened, because they've already called upon Jesus, and the moment you call upon Jesus, you're cleansed from your sin. So their baptism isn't when they're going to experience that. Their baptism is going to picture that. So any questions about that? This is really important. Because some of you might think that because you've been baptized, even though you've never called upon Jesus, you can think that because you've been baptized, the sin's been washed away. With all due respect, it's not what the Bible teaches. And I just want to be really straight with you. If you've never called upon Jesus yourself from the heart, your sins have not been washed away. But listen, they could be washed away like right, right this moment, right now, right where you're seated. They could be washed away as you just in your heart say, Jesus Christ, I'm turning to you now. Help me. Wash my sins away through your death on the cross. Forgive me. Change me. I surrender my life to you in faith right now. At that very moment, all your sins are washed away. Okay, any questions about this? This is so powerful right now. So, so here's, here's what I want, want to do. Um, let's have the band come on up here. You guys can start getting ready. First of all, for those of you who have already called upon Jesus to cleanse you from sin and, and you're, you're, you're seeking to trust him and you're living by faith, I want, I want you just to be able to celebrate the wonder of what's happened in you. So just remember, remember what's taken place. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, the moment you called out upon him, all of the guilt of your sin was punished in Jesus. And so what this means is, 
Just feel this afresh. You will never, ever receive any punishment from God, ever. Ever, okay? Ever. As you look into your future, your whole future is passionate, intense love from God for you. There's the last verse in Psalm 23 says, um, actually I'm blanking out on it. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of your life. Now that word followed there is the word like pursue. It's not like, like you're walking and 10 yards behind there's always goodness and mercy. It means God's goodness and mercy is running you down every day of your life. And so because of your trust in Jesus Christ, because of his death on the cross for you, as you look ahead to your future, your future is only God's love caring for you, loving you, providing for you, guiding you, forgiving you, meeting you, satisfying you, filling you, helping you, comforting you, directing you, everything you need. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I want this to be just a massive celebration as we, as we watch Orion and Andrew get baptized. And then, and then just one more time, for those of you maybe who are, who are not trusting Jesus, we are really glad you're here. Must be a little scary coming into a church, you know, okay. But you're here for a reason. God's brought you here this morning so you, you would hear this passage, so you would hear his word, what he's teaching us in the scriptures. And that is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God came to earth in the person of Jesus because he loves us. He's merciful. He's gracious. And he's made a way for us to be completely forgiven even though we have rebelled big time against him. And he came and he was punished in our place. The wrath from God that we deserve, the Father poured out upon Jesus for those who would turn and trust him and and ask him to wash them clean. And so during this baptism, why don't you like right now, if you haven't called upon Jesus, why don't you do it right now? While we're even doing this next song. In fact, we'll, we'll baptize you right now this morning. I don't know how we'll do that. Maybe we'll figure it out. But maybe we won't. I don't know. Um, if you really wanted to, we'd figure out a way to do it, okay? Let's pray together and then we'll move into the baptism. We are thrilled, Father, what you've done in Andrew and Orion's lives through Jesus, your Holy Son. And we pray now, would you powerfully increase even more the work of your Holy Spirit upon them as they obey you in being baptized. And I pray for all of us, Lord, who are trusting you, that we could see and taste and feel afresh the wonder of being cleansed from the guilt of our sin. And I pray for any here who aren't yet trusting Jesus. Would you right now bring your power upon them and save them, we pray. In Jesus' name.